Hey everybody, Yislike here. Thanks for tuning in today. Before we start the episode, I want to let you know that this podcast is brought to you by A Thousand Dreams, a developing adult liberal arts curriculum that celebrates transgression in most of its forms. Currently, the curriculum is comprised of a daily blog, four weekly podcasts, weekly multimedia lectures, a book vlog, lots of extra content on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest, and a Patreon that includes exclusive content and early access to much of our regular content. You can access all of our content, including a link to our Patreon, from our central hub at a thousanddreams.org. Please send comments and questions about the curriculum to a thousanddreams.org at gmail.com. In the meantime, enjoy the show. everyone. Welcome back to Meet the Rockadopolis. Once again, we are Yislike and Lance Rockadopolis, and we are here to share and provide insight into one example of a high-level BDSM-based female-led relationship. This podcast is dedicated to sharing insight into one type of romantic relationship that transgresses social and cultural norms around how partners conduct their relationship, how they negotiate power, manage money, share intimacy, divide domestic chores, etc., etc. We are not attempting to provide a blueprint or a set of instructions on how things should be done in all BDSM relationships, um, but we're just pointing out how this lifestyle transgresses cultural norms and runs counter to how modern culture thinks about how power in relationships should be distributed. So today we're going to focus on our conversation on the important role of our physical relationship within the bigger picture of our relationship as a whole, because as we discussed last week, kinky play is an important part of our life together. Also, please be aware that this is really an overview of different types of kinky activities we enjoy. In the future, we will go into the specifics of these and other different types of play, Today, we're focusing on the ways that our kinky play influences and supports our relationship and how our play has evolved as our relationship has evolved. So for the sake of the podcast, we're going to focus on five loose categories of play that we enjoy and engage in on a regular basis. These categories are penetration, humiliation, impact, orgasm denial, and what I'll call miscellaneous impromptu play. But before we get started, we need to make an important safety disclaimer. This episode is not meant to provide information about how to engage in kinky play. We are not representing ourselves as experts in any kind of kinky play, and we do strongly advise everyone who is interested in exploring kink to spend a lot of time educating themselves about the possible physical and mental-emotional safety issues associated with most or all types of kinky activities. So to start off with, let's talk about penetration. We're going to talk about two types of penetration. The first type is going to be pegging, and the second type will be PIV sex. So pegging is a term that was popularized by Dan Savage, who asked his audience what would be a good term for when a woman fucks a man in the ass with a strap on. And the audience chose pegging. 
Pegging is a pretty important part of our relationship. Uh, we pegged on our first date, correct? As well as having PIV sex. So I'll turn it over to Lance. So Lance, what is pegging like for you? What does it feel like for you? Well, upon insertion, it's very painful. It can be. Sometimes it is and sometimes it is. Um, it also feels slightly humiliating. It's not the traditional role of a man to be inserted with a, a silicone dildo. Also, it starts to become very, very pleasurable. And um, for me, it's a very intimate act. I feel much closer to you uh, when you peg me and pleasure me in that way. So for me, um, I don't get a lot of physical pleasure out of it. I'm not going to pretend like it's a real penis and that I'm I'm feeling it as though, you know, I were a man with a cock with a bunch of nerve endings. I'm not going to go like, ooh, ah, which is what we see on porn. Um, so I, I don't get a lot of physical sensation out of it. I do get a lot of the feeling of intimacy from it. Um, it doesn't make me feel any more dominant? Does it make you feel more submissive? Oh, yes, absolutely. It's, as some people say, a role reversal. I don't feel particularly feminine, but it does make me feel more submissive yeah, to be penetrated like, like that. It's just a mind fuck as well as an anal fuck. So even though me pegging you by itself doesn't make me feel more dominant. The fact that it makes you feel more submissive makes me feel more dominant. And I think that it influences and supports our relationship in that way. How has our play uh, evolved with pegging as our relationship has evolved? Well, we started with a small dildo and progressed to subsequently larger and larger dildos. Um, we also got a better strap harness for you i i think the equipment has um progressed but also i think the the length of time that we do it occasionally fluctuates and that control of the the length of time also is in your hands so that's also that you have total control over i think for me our pegging has evolved over time in that I've gotten a lot more interested in trying different positions with it. There are definitely certain positions where I can feel more sensation in my and around my my vagina. And so I'm I'm always thinking about ways that I can use pegging to enhance my own my own pleasure as well as just to make the experience overall more interesting, maybe more about power exchange. And uh, more fun standing up and you bend it over, you know, you in uh, in downward dog on the refrigerator, um, on the cabinets. Yeah, the kitchen counter. So that's that's evolved for sure. So we also have PIV, penis and vagina sex as well. How do you experience our penis and vagina sex? Well, since you are in total control, it is how you like it, either... You are on top, or I am beside you. Uh, we're lying side by side. It's rare that I have the opportunity to actually be on top. And it is always very directed. So that's the way you like to uh, have penis and vagina sex. I do. I enjoy it a lot. It's I get a lot of sensation out of it. And I do like to be in control of, of everything, that all the ways that we do it. My favorite way of having 
sex with you is is uh, PIV and 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 you on the side. Just like with the pegging, I also want to think about different positions, different positions that can give me more pleasure. Standing up is probably the most pleasurable way for me to have PIV sex, but you're taller than I am. Height is a real is is an issue. So I've really got to get some very stable platform boots to wear, platform shoes to wear so that I can fit that in just right. Yeah. So in terms of the power exchange and who's in charge, it's very much the same as as the pegging. Would you agree with that? Yes. Yeah, totally. I also liked how we changed the term from me fucking you to you enveloping me. Yeah, I'm glad that you embrace that term so readily and that we've continued to use it. It's a word that I learned in an undergraduate women's psychology class, and it always stuck with me. So enveloping is much more active and empowering for the woman than than being penetrated. That term is definitely designed for women to feel more act more in an active sexual role when they're having penis and vagina sex. All right, so next up, we're going to talk about humiliation. So we really engage in two different types of humiliation, verbal humiliation and physical humiliation. Physical humiliation, I think, is Lance's favorite type of humiliation. Would you say that you enjoy that? Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, I really like being manhandled, being pushed around, brought to my knees, being made to crawl crawl around on all fours, being led around by a leash. That's all very exciting to me. Or sometimes when we're out in public, we hold each other arm in arm and you, at certain points, direct me to follow your lead and jerk my arm in a not-so-subtle manner. Yeah, so so that's a lot of fun. The verbal humiliations seem to be a little more complicated. I think a lot of when people think of femdoms, think about a dominatrix saying, you know, oh, you filthy little worm or, oh, your dick is so small or something like that. And that's really not, first of all, it's not accurate in our case. And also, I don't think it would work for us. I think that while some men may get off on that in our particular relationship, I think it would be really hurtful. And I know that when I've tried that, I've gotten a negative response certainly not a response of arousal. However, there are types of verbal humiliations that are effective for us. I call these humiliations reality-based humiliations because they involve me saying things to him because he's my sub that I would not have been able to say in a vanilla relationship. If I have something that I want to change or something that I don't like, I will express that in no uncertain terms and Often, though not always, Lance responds to what I'm saying by becoming aroused. What are some examples of this? Yes. Early early on in our relationship, you informed me that I needed to be someone of taking correction. And I think I've grown in that ability to do so. It's not always perfect. There was one incident where, where we went kayaking and I wanted to check out certain locations to put in, as they say. Uh, but you having prior experience in kayaking at Lake Dillon, you knew exactly where to go. 
And once I ran the course of uh, trying to look at different sites, you basically told me I told you so and corrected me in no uncertain terms. And that was very arousing to me. There was a moment of realization that I had within myself that I had to admit that Yislike was totally correct and that her choice and instructions should have been followed more directly. So when I realized that I was wrong and she was right and she was basically pointing that out, I was, I became very aroused and sexually excited at that point. And this is something that I hope the ladies out there will take serious note of. Submissive men get aroused by being corrected. A submissive man is more likely to get aroused by being wrong and by the woman being right than by being right and have the, having the woman be wrong, right? That's a, that's a huge benefit to women for having a submissive boyfriend or a partner. The next type of kinky play that we're going to discuss is impact play. This is probably what we do most often in our play sessions, um, and it involves a wide variety of tools and different styles of impact play. We started out with a flogger. I had a, a cheap, very flimsy flogger that I had used on a couple of subs before you. And um, Did you get that at Fascinations? I got it at Fascinations. And on the men I had used it on previously, it was quite effective, but Lance is what they call an iron ass. He really, it's hard to hurt him. And so I ended up having to hit him so hard that I broke it in several pieces. And so he ordered me a much better, higher quality and a much more effective flogger, which we use now. Um, we also have a single tail. That's my favorite form of Im impact play really is the single tail simply because it takes a lot of skill. So I've got a lot to learn and that's exciting. It's also very effective. All of the different impact tools have different sensations associated with them. Yeah, different implements have different sensations. The flogger can either be stingy or thuddy. The single tail cuts like a knife. It feels exactly like somebody cutting you. We've also experimented or played with canes and paddles and belts. Yeah, belting is a big part of our relationship, wouldn't you say? Yeah, indeed. I practically beg for it every weekend. Um, it places me in the proper frame of mind, a submissive frame of mind. Yeah, you really don't need expensive tools for kink necessarily. One of our favorite uh, things to use in impact play is a uh, is a phone charger cord. Those are really nasty. They're really fun to use. You will break the tip of the cord if you use the tip. It's you're going to that cord once you start using it, that's all you're going to be able to use it for, but it is thin and powerful and makes a wonderful whooshing noise as it goes through the air. Uh, do you enjoy the the power cord? I believe it was my suggestion to try it. So <laughs> It's too bad on me if I didn't enjoy it. Yeah, those are awesome. Um, these That's called a pervertible. You know, there are lots of different things you can use. I think the belt might be my favorite. Yeah, the single tail is um, is exciting and fun to learn, but it but it's still such a challenge. The belt is pretty easy to use, and there, you get a lot of bang for your buck with that one. What are ways that impact play has influenced and supported our relationship? Well, for me, it enforces our dynamic our hierarchy it's a physical violation and i absolutely 100 percent willingly consent to that but still it's a little bit de degrading and humiliating to to be hit with those instruments over and over 
and you like that. Yes, I go on the record as saying I fully enjoy every aspect of that. Okay, so how has our use of impact play evolved as our relationship has evolved? Well, I think over time I've been able to understand my body and its reactions to being hit. Over time I've been able to grow my pain tolerance and ability to process pain. It's also deepened our connection between us. There has to be a very high level of trust in order for this to even happen to to the point where we can both enjoy it. Yeah, I agree about the trust and we still have a ways to go. Like like I like I have not hit him hard enough to make it him bleed. It may feel like it, he's being cut, but he isn't. And that's sort of on our bucket list. That's a goal to have uh, to have blood spring out from his skin. But um, we haven't done that. And it's because my skull level isn't quite there for me to be able to hit that hard with a single tail. And I know that. And he knows that I know it. And that's why he trusts me. And I think that that's, that would be an example of how trust is built through that type of submission I, I think it, I've developed around impact play in that I really have developed a lot of respect for the single tail and for how much practice I need with it. And also for technique, for using lighter instruments to start up to warm people up. My, you know, my first instinct was just to hit him as hard as I can from the very start. It was enjoyable for me, except for the sounds he made weren't pleasure sounds necessarily. But, but I now I've got an appreciation that if I start out light and do a good warm up, that it's going to be more fun for both of us. But it's taken a while for me to really accept that as true. Okay, next up, orgasm denial. So I want to start out by saying that Lance is in full-time chastity, male chastity, which means that he has a male chastity that is locked on his package, locked on his cock and balls, 24 hours a day, five days a week. And then on the weekend, as soon as I get to his place for the weekend, I take it off. So the fact that he is locked up and can't do any kind of self-stimulation during the week means that when I get there and take the cage off, he immediately gets hard and stays hard more or less for the entire weekend. And so it's very easy to edge him and tease him pretty much throughout the weekend. We spend a lot of time doing that. I think when we're relaxing, watching TV, there's a lot of teasing and edging play going on. I love it. I'm not going to say any, ever say anything against it. I, it's one of my favorite things that we do. It's very enjoyable. I love the, I love hard cocks. They're beautiful. They're a lot more attractive than soft ones. And it's, very sadistic, which I enjoy. It's always, you know, he's always moaning and groaning and just making the most wonderful sounds. The sounds that sound just like love. It's, I, I just, it's great. Yeah. To me, it's like a complete loss of agency on a very basic fundamental aspect of humanity, <laughs> of masculinity. And to have that control is so fundamental to our relationship it heightens both our arousal levels and um it's more than that as well to me it's like such a feeling of completely being owned and that's really what i was looking for in a female-led relationship right so it definitely supports our relationship in that way i mean i have a wonderful time doing it and it makes you feel owned 
How has our use of orgasm denial evolved as our relationship has evolved? Well, it's obvious that um, the periods in between orgasms for me have gotten longer and longer. <laughs> and and you laugh at that, and I absolutely am turned on by that laugh. So that sadism that is just so intoxicating. Um, I am truly a masochist when it comes to sexual frustration. There's a lot to say about male chastity and orgasm denial, and we'll be talking about that in another podcast at length. Our last category of kinky play is what I like to call miscellaneous impromptu play. An extreme example of that would be early on in our relationship, we were going on on a hike deep into the wilderness where no one could ever see us. And, and it was very snowy and he had actually, um, come without permission earlier in the week. He admitted it. And, uh, I think it was, it was listening to audiobooks of Anne Rice that made him pushed him over the edge into disobeying me. And at that point, we, we really weren't taking orgasm denial all that seriously, but I did take the opportunity to discipline him, making him take off all of his clothes and cover himself up with snow. Yeah, you make that seem so matter of fact, but what really happened was you made me first take off my hat and then take off my coat and then take off my individual garments one by one until I was completely standing there in the snow, buck naked. And then you forced me to lie down in it. And then you proceeded to bury me in the snow. I did. And he really was not enjoying that. I was enjoying it. Um, he complained vociferously about how cold and painful it was. I, I actually did. And this is not, I don't usually experiment on myself with these things, but I actually did want to know how painful it really was or if, if he was just being a pussy. So I got naked too and buried myself in the snow and it was very painful he was not just being a pussy. So for me, that was almost a little bit of a bonding moment because I got to feel what, what you felt and it didn't feel good, but it was definitely a lot of fun. And I did, when I, when I dried off and got all nice and toasty back in my clothes, I, I kind of felt like I had had a massage or something. Okay. What would be another example of miscellaneous impromptu play? One time you totally abused me with a hairbrush both the handle parts and the bristle parts and rubbing it over sensitive areas. That was um, particularly unpleasant. We've, I don't know if I should say this, but we've had sex in public places. You shouldn't say that. You should not say that. After dinner, one time uh, we went into an alley and um, saw that there was an opportunity to be a little mischievous. And uh, we... Had PIV right there in standing the up. standing up in the alleyway. We did. That was impromptu, you know. So today we've been talking about how the physical aspects of our relationship enhance and contribute to the success of our of our whole relationship. So to conclude, we're just going to talk briefly about how we each as individuals benefit from our kinky play. Lance? For me... All the kinky play makes me feel owned and loved. There's a term in BDSM that people use called subspace. It's basically for me being lost in an overwhelming sensations. It could be pain or pleasure. It could be frustration. It could be orgasmic bliss. Um, that impact play also 
frequently leaves scars on me and wounds and welts, and I take a great source of pride in that. It also helps me forget my current worries and stresses that I have in my life. But for me, it's primarily feeling a closeness to my wonderful partner, Yislaik. Uh, that closeness is based on trust, love, and um, just overwhelming great times together. For me, the kinky play does a lot to refresh my dominant energy, let's call it. After a, a work week in which I have to compromise all the time, I have to work with people who don't always want to do what I say, don't always want to fulfill my every whim. So for me, the kinky play really refreshes and reinforces my dominance in our relationship and gives me a lot of energy for the week ahead. It reminds me of how much we love and care about each other. I really feel that love. I feel both loved and loving toward you, Lance, while we're doing the play and afterwards. It keeps my libido healthy and, and it deepens my feelings of intimacy and connection. And it just, it, it always reminds me that you, you know, helps remind me that you are a separate person. We have such an intertwined relationship, but I think that when we are playing, we really see our distinct roles and our distinct sets of needs and, and we're not getting the same thing out of the play. You know, we're having a very different experience and I think that's good. That's a kind of boundary that we have that keeps us from, from falling apart as a couple. So that's it for today. I hope that we've provided some understanding of why we make kinky play a priority in our relationship. Thank you for joining us and please come back for the next episode of Meet the Rockadopolis. <laughs>